The following is a presentation by The Tabernacle, a community of changed lives. For more information regarding service times or if you would like to make a donation to The Tabernacle, you can do so by visiting our website at www.thetabchurch.com. Day, uh, day. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Uh, let's give them, in the first service we gave them a round of applause. Let's give them a round of applause this, this service for all the mothers. They have to put up with quite a bit, uh, not just from the kids, but from the husbands as well. And uh, I am certainly guilty of that. Uh, we got a couple of announcements before we get started with our worship service this morning. Uh, number one is the card. We want to tell you all about the card. It's in the seat back in front of you. If you've never filled this card out before, we invite you to do that. Uh, if this is your first time here at the church, we invite you to fill that card out. And you can take that card over to the hub and get yourself a gift. We just want to say thank you for checking us out. Uh, and then on the back of that card, there's a spot for prayer requests and comments. If you have anything you want to share with us, uh, we want to hear from you. We want to get in touch with you. Um, and we want to be able to pastor you uh, as as your pastors. So fill that card out. Let us know if you've got anything going on. We love to hear uh, stories. Uh, we like to hear good stories too. So so let us know what you got going on in your life, and then uh, turn that card in. You can drop it in an offering bucket later on when you when you when it goes by, or there's a box uh, attached to the wall uh, at the hub that you can put it in as well. Uh, an event we have coming up on June 11th is our annual meeting. We do this annually. And uh, it's at 6 o'clock on June 11th, and we, we talk about the vision of the church, where we're going to be going in the next year, uh, just to kind of give you a heads up of what we got planned, and then uh, there's a Q&A time. So if you have any questions for the church, uh, stuff you want to get answered, we can uh, do that at that time. So that's June 11th at 6 o'clock, just giving you that, that little reminder, that's about a month away. Um, and then the, the last announcement I got is... Uh, Next weekend is Merge. If you've never been to Merge, we invite you to attend uh, one of these. That's going to be next weekend, the 21st, from 3.30 to 7 p.m. here in T2. We want to get to know you, and we hope that you want to get to know us. So if you've never been through Merge before, and you want to get to know a little bit more about what this church is all about, um, kind of our DNA and all, and, and, and the story of the tabernacle, uh, we want to share that with you, and we invite you to come to Merge. You can sign up here at the church. You can sign up uh, over at the Hub. Uh, you can sign up online at thetabchurch.com, or you can sign up on our app. So there's a lot of different areas that you can sign up on. We want you to sign up this weekend, though, because uh, it is a meal that gets catered in. We're not just bringing in double cheeseburgers from McDonald's. We actually cater the meal in. It's a wonderful meal, and we want to make sure that we, uh, we have enough for everyone. So sign up if you can today. Uh, let us know if you need child care. And it's like a date. You, you get a free date. Uh, guys, listen to this. You get a free date, especially if you're Dutch. This is great. Um, it's a good meal, and you get to hang out uh, here in T2. So, um, so, so make sure you take advantage of that. Uh, so we're starting a new series today, and it's called Romans Worship. And we're going to do something a little bit different. And I'm sure all of the mothers in here who finally dragged their husband to church or finally dragged their kids to church are like, the one day I finally get my kids to come to church, and the church does something super weird. It's like, how, why does that always happen? You, you, it's, it's that fear that we have of like, I'm going to bring you to church. Don't worry, it's cool. Nothing weird happens. It's 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 kind of the same every week. Well, we decided to be weird today and uh, and do something different. So you'll you'll be all right though. Um, with music, 
in, in, in worship in general, it's something that we love to do. We love to sing. Uh, at least I love to sing. I, I love to, to lead worship. And uh, recently we, we got some of the band members together uh, to do a little video. And, and it's, it's hard enough to, to get the band together, uh, members of the worship team, to, to play every weekend. Even more difficult is to get people to talk in front of a camera uh, with a microphone. But we were able to do that, and, and I'm excited about how, how that video went. We talked a little bit about worship and, and what it means to us, but we're going to pray uh, before we watch this video. So would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you so much, God, for this day. Thank you for this beautiful Mother's Day. Thank you for uh, my mom and, and what she's done in my life. And, and God, I pray for this service. Um, God, I pray that we would get something out of it from you, God, that, uh, that you would teach us this morning. And it's in your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Don't zoom in on my head. <laughs> it doesn't need it. <laughs> think about the cage and no cage Jesse we've been doing it for a little while now well that's a tough one I think that most of us would rather be behind the stage and just sure. sing that way like not be up here we've talked about this briefly before but I just don't ever want it to be like a showboat thing like a performance or make it turn into an ego thing. I feel more comfortable when people aren't looking at me. I like it when people look at me. Hi, <laughs> 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 hey Marcus. Okay, no. Beth, you said, uh, you said that we're supposed to lead people in worship. So when we say that we're on stage and we're leading people in worship, what does that look like what, in your mind? Like, what does that mean? Not just you specifically, but for anyone. Like, if, if Dennis, because even if, if you're a musician and you don't sing, you're still leading people in worship. It's kind of an invitation. That, that what they see and hear is an invitation for them to feel something to, for it to spark emotion for it to kind of open their heart away from whatever is in the outside world and bring them into that moment when we say the word worship what does that mean to you Worship. It means to me that we're we're giving praise to God. Um, it talks about uh, singing. You know, there's angels singing constantly. Um, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. So that's kind of what we're doing down here. Down here is we're giving praise and worship. To me, worship means praise, and praise is a form of communication. And, and to me, that's what I feel it is, is communicating 
to God and how much you communicate, how much you give praise for um, for everything in life. Do that before you go on stage. No, but I think Carrie does. It relaxes your mouth. I'd rather not. <laughs> try it. Have Marcus like try it. I bet he'd be good at it. One of the most beautiful expressions of love for someone is is through song or, or poetry, uh, and, and so we look at at music as like the highest form of of giving adoration to someone. The whole experience of the music is is what moves you closer to God, and uh, that's a mystery in and of itself. Like, how can a note bring you closer to God? But it for however God wires us, it does, so. The cool thing about practicing at home too is it's not me just practicing, it's like I'm having just a mini worship session in my room playing on the bass, playing the music on the computer. I mean, it's simplified music. I mean, you can take it away and still have worship with the lyrics, but when you add instruments to it, it's important to add instruments tastefully that almost elevate the lyrics and the direction of the song itself, um, and in a way it's more, you kind of, you play a part that accents and um, adds to it instead of being the attention seeker, you know, it's not like Ted Nugent and the worship band or something <laughs> like that. Guitar parts, they're, you know, kind of vamping off of the melody of the lyrics or they're almost saying the same thing in a way just with different words. I mean, and that's a weird way to put it, but the words are just notes and different tensions. It's like we're a mini. I mean, we are all the body of Christ, but we're like a small little body of Christ working together. Somebody came and did a, a worship uh, where they teach, I don't know. But um, what he did is he took the track of, of some Tomlin song, Tomlin, <laughs> and, uh, but basically took away everything. It, it was, um, you know, did it track by track, where, and like played what one guitar was doing the other, and then, and it was really cool. The, the particular song that he did that with, it was really cool because the guitar player was just like, <laughs> you know, that's all he was, and then he was showing, like, once you layer it, um, you know, what it sounded like, and it was kind of the same deal, like, nobody's got to be a huge showboat, and, you know, when this person, this person, as a group, we all know our parts, come prepared, um, this is what you make. When, when it's really good music, it's not attention-grabbing, like, the, the members of the band are not going for attention. And maybe we're finally answering this question of why music? Why is that like the thing that, that connects us so much? And it's like this little microscopic example of what the church looks like. It's, it's how the church should function. It's how we should function as Christians of like, we're going to play our part. We're going to do what God has called us to do with the gifts that we've been given.
and mesh those together with everybody else's gifts so that we can offer our parts as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Good morning, Tabernacle. My name is Tim, one of the pastors. I want to say welcome. Uh, Guys, we just heard musician slash vocalist language. It's kind of cool, isn't it? Uh, How about a round of applause for those who lead us in that? Uh, It's really wonderful. Uh, I want to say happy Mother's Day as well uh, to all of you moms, to my mom. Uh, Bless you. Um, And some of you moms, I know your kids. Uh, Bless you, bless you. Uh, good. There can be some humor in that. Uh, there's a bit of scripture I want to talk about. We're, we're going to continue worship uh, with the taking of our tithes and our offerings. And uh, I'm going to read this real quick. This is out of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, and it's verse 7. And it says, each man or woman should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. Uh, I want to bring you to the Wayback Time Machine really quick. And, and I'm, I'm going to do this little story, okay? Uh, as I'm doing that, the ushers are going to come forward, uh, and they're going to take the offering. Uh, when I was little, back in the 1960s, uh, and I'm with my mom and dad, and there's a, a fair. And uh, at this fair, uh, my dad opened his wallet and gave me a dollar. Now, I'm young, uh, and I want you to think about uh, getting that dollar, and suddenly I was rich beyond my wildest dreams, and it was mine, and I could go spend it and have fun. Now, in my younger mind, I don't think I thought about sharing, but I also didn't think about greed either. It just was this gift, and it was this beautiful, childlike moment. And, you know, my dad didn't have, like, these massive expectations of that dollar, he gave it to me for my enjoyment, for my pleasure. Then a little later in life, and I'm what's termed adole- an adolescent. And adolescence is a really bizarre time of our world, of our life, of growing up. Hormones, uh, body change, all of that type of stuff. We're trying to be adults as an adolescent, but we're not quite yet. Uh, and I can remember not having a job and needing to go somewhere, wanting to go to the movies or whatever. And my dad gave me some money. Now, I had conflicted feelings about that. And the conflicted feelings were I was really grateful to have the money, but I'm a little bit put out that it had to come from my dad, right? And then we morph a little further. Further in life, I get a job. I have a job, and uh, I get what's known as a paycheck. And suddenly, I have this new uh, feeling that was really cool because I earned it. I went out and I did the work and I put in the hours and I got the paycheck and this paycheck now is all mine. And it was a whole new sense of freedom. And it was beautiful, right? Because nobody could tell me what to do with that money. Now, here's the beautiful part uh, is I didn't grow up any further for a very long time. So this isn't like a a beautiful story. This is a, a humbling story. And we're living our life, husband, wife, kids coming along doing the American dream, and uh, life is unsatisfactory. My wife leads us to church. Uh, I'm not proud of that, but that was the reality. She led us there. Women are amazing. That's why we have Mother's Day, right? 
So uh, she's leading us there. And um, we make a decision. She says, we should tithe. I'm thinking, well, I earned all of this money. It's a vast amount. We'd have to write a check. And that check is huge. It's not. I wasn't that rich. Uh, but, but that was the thought I had. Is just, That's a lot of money. Uh, and this verse was something that my dad had taught me younger uh, about giving with a cheerful heart, a glad heart, give willingly, want to give. And I wasn't there. So we made this compromise. Now, this is confession, so you can't share this with anybody else. Okay? Uh, I couldn't write the check. I could not write the check. Little words would come into my head that were not pleasing. Uh, feelings were very greedy. My wife wrote the check. And once it was folded and put it in the envelope, the stupidity is I knew exactly how much that check was. But I could put it in the offering with a glad heart. I just couldn't write it. Later, as God put mentors and the Holy Spirit begins to change me as a human being, uh, it was fun to write the check. And it was fun when a raise would come or an opportunity would come to give more. That was a beautiful thing, and God changed my heart. It was selfish, and the world was all about me. Now, here's an encouraging thing. is I had started reading the Bible, uh, and, and there's a book called Nehemiah. And as I'm reading through Nehemiah, Israel had been defeated. They had been obedient, disobedient. You know, it's just, it's that continual cycle. Uh, that's my life. Uh, so I'm reading it, and they're going to go back, and they're going to rebuild the walls. And Nehemiah is the king, and he says, hey, this is what we're going to do. This and there's a chapter that lists every foot of the wall around Israel, okay, and who builds what, and who fixes what gate. And it's kind of boring. Um, and there are a whole bunch of names that nobody will ever be able to pronounce properly in this story. But all of a sudden, as I'm reading through Something catches my attention, and I go back. There was one family, one family in there that rebuilt the wall with excitement, with vigor, with enthusiasm. It's the only one mentioned in there. So something special happened, and it's like, that's who I want to be, and that's the church I want to be part of. It's the one that does it, that's remembered doing it enthusiastically. What's so beautiful is that's worship. Worship sometimes is attitude in, in, in the job and in what we do, and I needed to change my giving from me tipping or me sacrificing what's mine and realizing it's my dad's anyways, just like I was when I was a kid. It's dad's, and I get to do it. And, and the Spirit just changed this, and, and I became part of the tabernacle, and I've watched over the, year, the years, and this is an enthusiastic group of people. The tabernacle gives lavishly and excitedly. And I, wa I want you to know, last week we did compassion, uh, and we had freedom builders, and the response was really great. Uh, our congregation sponsored over 100 children. That's a definitive act of worship, helping those with less, the least of these, and helping. It's a beautiful thing. In fact, if you didn't have an opportunity last week, uh, there's still some left. 
okay? There's still some. Feel free to swing by afterwards and check out uh, Compassion International. When you look at the little kids, uh, it's hard not to. But I want to say thank you from the depth of my heart. Uh, you guys helped me worship, help the staff worship last week by your generosity. So when we give, when we give, I ask you to look at your heart and is it glad? And if it's not, that's okay. It took me a long time to get there. Uh, God changes all of us. If you'll bow your heads, uh, I just want to pray for us. Father, thank you for you loving us enthusiastically, for you loving us graciously, for you providing bounty. Help us to share uh, as your children who are so well taken care of. In your blessed name, amen. Welcome to the Tabernacle. My name is John. I'm one of the pastors here. We're glad that you're here celebrating this Mother's Day with us. We haven't sung any songs uh, yet. Are you okay? Are we doing all right? Man, we can get into ruts, and I tell you, even God's people, you get them out of what's normal, and people might freak out. That's okay. EMTs are standing by. So uh, we're glad that you're with us today as we kick off this worship series. There's a direction we're trying to go with this. Hopefully by the end, you'll see what we're trying to do here. But before we get there, those of you that have taken the time to maybe fill out a card at the hub, or maybe we've captured your email or your information, you know, from time to time, we'll send out what's called the Tabernacle Insider and give you some information. And you should have got one on Wednesday night. Uh, On Wednesday, uh, Pastor Carl, our our student ministries pastor, uh, announced to his staff and also uh, to the students that at the end of this school year, he's going to be stepping down. Uh, he and Carl, or he and Judith, his wife, have been uh, uh, praying for some time about God's direction, and they believe that they're responding to that call. We believe the same thing. Uh, he has our love. He has our support. We want him to be obedient to God, what God is telling them to do. We are grateful for Carl and Judith, for their little baby. Uh, it's been a great year, and we appreciate them stepping up and being a pastor uh, to our students. Quite honestly, for being a pastor to my kids. And so I just wonder if this morning, uh, this, this isn't their last week. They'll be, you know, not ending until uh, the first week of June. But uh, would you just join me in thanking God uh, for their ministry and for loving our kids well? We're excited about 
uh, uh, the, you know, where they're going and what uh, God has for them. I believe it's going to be in ministry. And uh, uh, as I said before, he didn't ask me to say this. He'll probably get mad at me and, and maybe drown me later for saying this. But I think a great thing to do is not only share with him uh, and Judith how much you love him, but uh, share some money with him too. Because um, cash is always better, right? You don't have to do that. I'm just kidding. No, you really do. No, no. But that would be cool, right? No, you don't have to do that. That's fine. Definitely do that. We're starting uh, um, our series on worship. And I'm wondering, just right as we get right out of the gates, what do you think of when someone says the word worship? Same question Brian posed to the band. You know, we heard from them a little bit from the musicians' hearts. And then, you know, Pastor Tim talked a little bit about giving. And I would bet if it was like, you know, the family feud today and we brought everyone up and we said, free association, what do you think of when someone says worship? Survey said, ding, number one would be praise worship, praise music, right? For many of us, that's what we associate with worship, is worship is when we come together and praise God at church, whether it's hymns, whether it's rock and roll worship, bluegrass, anything in between, music. That's praise and worship. In fact, many of us have kind of taken worship and we put it in that compartment. In fact, worship ain't worship unless I like the music and it's good and I'm moved and my emotions and they're singing. For many of us, that's, that's worship. And if maybe we've been here a little while, then we might also go, uh, you know, maybe to the next step, what Pastor Tim was talking about. Worship is my sacrifice. Worship is when I give God access to my pocketbook or to my time or to my talent, right? And so we worship God with our praise, and that's usually all together. And then, oh, we worship God also with, uh, with our time or our talent, with our treasure, with our money, right? Well, in this series, for the next six weeks, we're going to look at what worship really is. Because, yeah, singing's a part of worship. Giving's a part of worship. But it's just a part of worship. We're in Romans chapter 12 for the next six weeks. And today, we're going to look at the very first verse. We're going to be in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. If you had a, have a Bible, I'd love for you to turn there. If you didn't bring one today, I encourage you to get a Bible, and you're probably going to want to be reading ahead, reading and rereading this chapter, because this chapter really is kind of the climax of the entire book of Romans. Over the last year, we've been kind of going through the different parts of Romans, just taking it a chunk at a time. And what Paul has been laying out in Romans is very important as we get to the pinnacle, which is chapter 12. Are you with me so far? Am I too theological? Are you with me, right? See, he starts out in Romans by saying that there's a God, and he's a good God, and he's a loving God, and this God has written eternity on all of our hearts. We're created for a relationship with this God. And then if you continue to read through chapter 1 and 2, he says, but here's the problem. The problem is none of us are as perfect as God. In fact, we're born sinners. Every single human being is born a sinner. There's only one sinless human. That was Jesus. And so you have this good and loving God, and then you have these human beings that kind of broke his creation. 
But then God sent Jesus on a rescue mission. This is where Romans goes. And the, and, the, and the rescue mission is he sent Jesus on a mission to be sinless, to be perfect, to show us how to love, how to love God and how to love others, and to be a sacrifice. The cross wasn't a mistake. The cross was God's plan. He planned for Jesus to go to the cross. Jesus willingly went to the cross to die a substitutionary death for every single human being. And as we've been going through Romans, that's why we you know, say things like, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Jesus died for everyone. And his death, his blood, pays for all of my sin and all of the sins against me. And so if I will trust Christ... Simply trust him and believe in his grace. Through faith, I'm saved. Does anybody believe that this morning? And it's a really good deal. It doesn't say pray a prayer, believe, and then you better clean yourself up. No, it says believe, right? And we know there's scriptures that say if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And Paul has been laying this out in the greatest letter ever written. And then he gets to chapter 12. Now he gets to how should we live? Now he gets to our response. It's all about what God did and now he turns his attention to us. In the NIV, this verse begins, therefore. And I've just given you the therefore, right? Whenever you're studying scripture and you see a therefore, you should always look ahead and see what the therefore is there for, right? Still with me? Okay. So that's what the therefore is about. All of that chapter, one, two, three, four, all the way up to 11, the amazing gospel of God. And now we get to chapter 12, the summit. And the summit of chapter 12 is verse 1. And this is how it reads in the New Living Translation. He says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, that's the therefore, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. Romans 12, verse 1. Do you know that everyone worships? Every single human being is a worshiper. We're created as worshipers. We're all worshipers. You don't have to be a church person to be a worshiper. We're all worshipers. Because worship is the outflowing of our passion, our energy, our attention, our time, our devotion. It's basically what we're about. You can be someone who's all about your career. You can worship your career because you're made to worship. You're going to worship something. You can worship relationships and worship people. You can worship how many friends you're going to get on Facebook. You're just all about that. How many people looked at that post? Was that, imp- was that impressive? Ooh, a hundred. I'm important. Right? You can worship your image. You can worship your reputation. You can worship stuff. I don't worship stuff. I don't believe in God, but I don't worship stuff. But if all of the energy and the passion of your life is about how much money you can make and how much you can acquire, oh, you're a worshiper. The question is what or who are we worshiping? 
Paul says, for those of us that call on the name of Jesus, our response should be to worship him back as a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice? What's that? And then he goes on to say that this living sacrifice, this is what true worship is. You see, singing worship is a part of worship, but it's not all of worship. It's not truly in totality worship. Sacrifice of my giving, my time, my energy, you know, loving God with my money, giving to the church, you know, supporting a compassion kid, helping my neighbor. Yeah, that's worship too, but that's not worship in its totality. Paul is saying living sacrifice worship, that's true worship. Are you with me, Tab? That's what true worship is. So for you and me, it's probably a good idea for us to understand what a living sacrifice is. What does it mean? So I don't know about you, when I think of the word sacrifice, I immediately go to the Old Testament. And what we learn from the Old Testament is that as long as human beings have been walking on the face of the earth, they've been offering sacrifices or worship to God. Adam and Eve's children, Cain and Abel, kind of the first recorded sacrifices offered to God. It was thankfulness to God, thankful for the harvest, thankful for their food. And so they offered a sacrifice to God. In fact, they got in a fight about it, right? One of them offered vegetables and one of them offered meat. And we know that meat is always superior to vegetables, don't we? Right? But in those days, the vegans wanted to fight about it. And so the, you know, and yeah, sorry, that was a bad paraphrase. But you're going with me, right? They offered these to God. We know that after the flood, that Noah was so thankful to God because God had preserved his life and the life of his wife and his three sons and their wives and two of every animal. So he had set aside a specific gift to God. And, and this is an example where he prepared an altar, he put wood on top of the altar, and then he offered a sacrifice. He killed an animal and burned it on the altar. And it said that the aroma of the sacrifice was pleasing in the nostrils of God. Well, what does that mean? You know, we see that uh, in the Old Testament when God required a sacrifice for sin and we know that the only thing that pays for sin is blood. Vegetables don't cut it. Only blood sacrifice can play for sin, right? And so whether, you know, depending on the sin, it could have been a bird, it could have been a, a sheep or a goat or a ram or if it was for the whole nation or a special festival, it was a bull. And it was the same thing, just like in the video. A fire would be prepared, a sacrifice would be killed, And then it would be burned. And it says over and over and over in the Old Testament that the aroma of the sacrifice was pleasing to God. We don't have a fire here today, but we do have a George Foreman. Now I know there's always going to be somebody out there that's like, well, why don't you bring charcoal? Hey, come on, we just got this building. Calm down. We're going to set the place on fire. Everybody's going to get wet with sprinklers. But you know, when I think of sacrifice or living sacrifice, this is where I go is there's some type of flesh offering. Whoa, praise God. Look at that. America. Right? I mean, this, this has been basing in a while. In fact, I ran into a friend on Friday who told me about Coca-Cola marinating. This has been marinated in Coca-Cola. 
and some other spices and herbs, right? And there's something about it, right? The aroma of a sacrifice on an altar that's just right. Ooh, that's a beautiful thing right there. You know, just the other day, I was working out in the yard, and I was on the tractor, and I, I'd been caught up in some chores and really wasn't paying attention to the time, and all of a sudden, I realized I was hungry, but it's like I can get a little bit more done, and it was a beautiful day, and I'm on the other side of the house, and all of a sudden, just a little breeze brought the aroma of my wife opening the grill for the first time in 2010. Praise Jesus. I don't know what it was. It didn't matter. Shish kebabs. It could be steaks. It could be burgers. It could be hot dogs. And we know what goes. We don't want to know what goes in hot dogs. But on the grill, that aroma, isn't that pleasing? I'm about to torture you right now. So we're going to let that just go for a minute. That's what a sacrifice does. But that's not just the Old Testament. You see, in the New Testament, Jesus came to be the last death sacrifice. Once for all, it says, the righteous for the unrighteous. We don't have to sacrifice animals. We don't have anyone else that can be a redeemer. Jesus came to do that. So if any of us trust and believe in him, he is the last sacrifice. So why would Paul say now be a living sacrifice? Well, there's a little bit of a clue in in Ephesians chapter 5. I just want to read you the two verses right now. It It says in speaking to God's people on how to be a living sacrifice, he says, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself, get this, as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. You guys smell that? You starting to smell that yet? Here, let me help you out. Jesus lived his life in such a way, a life of love that was so pleasing to God that the way he lived and the way he died was a pleasing aroma to his father. And in in Ephesians, Paul says that you and I were to imitate Christ in the way that we live. You and I... When we're called to be a living sacrifice, when Paul says, you know, in the NIV, he says, I urge you therefore to offer your bodies a living sacrifice. Part of that is to live in such a way that you're a pleasing aroma to God. Now, what's the opposite of an aroma? A stench or an odor, depending on what kind of company we're in. We know a little bit about stench in northern Michigan in May, don't we? Farmers, thank you. Very little. There's a perfectly sunny day. I'm driving to Traverse City with the windows down, and the farmers just ruined it. Thanks, man. Whatever you're putting out is not a pleasing aroma. I get it. It grows the crops. It's terrible. It's peeling my face off, right? I had to get oxygen. Put it. Oh, it's killing me. So the implication that I'm driving at is if I imitate Christ living a life of love, my life can be an aroma or it can be a stench. I don't want to be a stench. I don't want to be an odor. A living sacrifice is pleasing to God. It's 
It's pleasing, as it says in the Old Testament, in his nostrils. And and if we look at those verses, it says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do. How much of everything is everything? You're not awake yet. How much of everything is everything? Everything. In everything you do. Pleasing aroma. You see... This pleasing aroma is supposed to be a continual offering. See, a living sacrifice isn't just the aroma, just the one time. Well, you know, man, I'm going to sacrifice for Jesus. I'm laying it all down on the altar. I prayed a prayer. Now I'm good. A lot of us live our lives that way, don't we? And then there's no real change. That's not what we're called to do, nor is that who we're called to be. We're called to be this continual offering. Jesus continually intercedes for us before the Father. The Holy Spirit continually guides and empowers and directs. God just didn't love us one time on the cross. He continues to love us. And so a living sacrifice offers himself or herself as a continual offering to God. It's a lifestyle. It goes on and on and on and on. It isn't just a weekend lifestyle which some of us are really good at doing. We're really good at, you know, giving God, you know, a little tip of the hat on a weekend or a little tip in the bucket, right? We're real good at tipping God. And he's saying, I want this continual living sacrifice. That's why he used the word living. I mean, you've, you've heard us say this before, right? I mean, I, I mean, usually we think of a sacrifice, you think of something dead. But this is a walking, living, breathing, hanging out, playing, working, vacationing, sleeping, sacrifice. That's who we're called to be. When we live that way, it's pleasing and it's continual. It's continual. It's a lifestyle. Lastly, a living sacrifice is all-inclusive. Remember how much of everything is everything? Oh, you're still asleep. How much of everything is everything? Everything. Everything. So when he says to offer your bodies, he's not just talking about your physical bodies. Yeah, he's talking about your hands and feet and your, you know, your eyes, your ears, your, you know, everything about your physical body, but it's also what's inside here, right? Your soul, your spirit, your attitude, the words that come out of your mouth. How much of everything is everything? Paul said, whatever you do, do for the glory of God. That means if I truly believe that God gave everything for me, My response is going to be to give everything to him in glory. Well, how do I do that? Do you know you can work? You can go to work and work for the glory of God. You don't work for your boss. You work for God. You know, at school, you can study for the glory of God. You're not there for your teacher. You're there for the glory of God. How much of everything is everything is everything. That includes work. That includes school. That includes your vacation. That includes your free time. A living sacrifice, it's this pleasing aroma, a continual offering, and it's all-inclusive. It's every part of you. You see, we get really good at just giving God a little bit. I better flip this, huh? Did I flip it once? I better flip it. Yeah. Oh, praise God. There's only one, so calm down. We get really good at putting our life in compartments. God gets my weekend life, but you know what? He doesn't have 
my bank account. You know, he gets, you know, look, I go to church, but you know what? He doesn't have my career. You know what? He gets that, but he doesn't have my sex life. That's mine. That's private. You guys realize there's nothing private from God? And if it's really all-inclusive and it's really a continual offering and it's supposed to be a pleasing aroma, now's a good time to start thinking, is every part of my life a pleasing aroma to God? You know, in that passage that I read in Ephesians chapter 5, he goes on after telling us to be imitators of Christ. That's the pleasing aroma. That's not the stench. He then goes on to tell us very practically what that looks like. And, 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 and I'm just going to read what the Bible says. I, I don't have anybody in mind here. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. But just in case we don't know what that's supposed to look like, Paul tells us in verse 3, after speaking of a pleasing aroma, he says, let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes, These are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. Whoa, did you see what just happened? He said, you know what a stench is? When we're sexually immoral. What is sexual immorality? Any sex outside of married sex between a man and a woman is sin. It's a stench. It's not an aroma. What's a stench? Greed. You might say, well, I'm not rich. I'm not greedy. Uh, some of the richest people I know are not greedy at all. They're some of the most generous people I know. But some people that aren't very rich that I know seem to be some of the greediest. Why is that? I'm not picking on anybody, but I'm saying you don't have to have money to be greedy. Greedy is all about me. Give me my stuff, my possessions. I want more. And you can be greedy about your reputation. You can be greedy about relationships. You can be greedy about money. You can be greedy about a lot of things. Greedy is all about me. Just the same way that cutting corners sexually is all about me. I got to get mine is what it's about. And it's worship. Guess who you're worshiping? When we do that, we worship ourselves. We're not worshiping God. And it's a stench. It's not an aroma. He goes on in verse 5. He says, you can be sure that no immoral, impure, greedy person is going to inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. Just like Paul said in Romans. We worship the things that God created instead of the creator. That's an odor. That's a stench. But gratitude is an aroma. Gratitude for God's way, gratitude for God's law, gratitude for what God has given me through Christ. That's an aroma. It smells way better than that. Verse 6, he says, Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do, for once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings, but I'm trying, and Paul is even saying right here, already some of us, when you start going through any list of sin and any one of them pricks our heart, what do we immediately do? We give ourselves a pass because we're the exception, right? We're the exception. And he says, don't don't buy that. That's an odor too. We're called to be an aroma. I better cut that off. Some of you look really worried about this. 
Like that steak's going to be real chewy. Yeah, thanks for looking out for me. Appreciate that. But when I'm full of gratitude, when I'm walking in obedience, when I'm responding, and, and, and by the way, we don't do these things so God will love us more. God already loves us. He already died for us. I'm a child of God, but I don't trample on his sacrifice. I don't trample on his grace. I don't foul up this relationship with my stink. Because of what he's done, Paul says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, a pleasing aroma, a continual offering, and it includes every area of my life. And we could go on. I don't want to keep reading about sin. It's not just sexual sin. It's gossip sin. It's lying sin. It's, it's apathy, being apathetic, being critical not being an encourager. I mean, there's so many ways that our life, you know, somewhere on that spectrum, you've got aroma, you've got stench, and some of us are like, well, I'm just a little odorous. What if every area of our life was a pleasing aroma to God? What would that look like? Paul says, when you offer yourself as a living sacrifice, it's pleasing to God. It's a pleasing aroma to God. See, I think there's a misunderstanding for many of us about the gospel. Hear me carefully. Some of us still think, even people who've been in church a long time, some of us still think or believe that to be a Christian includes a long list of things that I've got to give up. Don't we? In fact, I would bet if there was someone here today that's not quite yet a Christian, they would say, well, the reason I don't want to be a Christian is I don't want to have to give up. Because that's the impression that we have. And that's religion. Religion is all about what I can give up so God will love me and God will save me. And so even as Christians, we still think, well, it's just a process of giving up this and giving up that. And so at the end, I've just got nothing. I've just got a sour face and I got nothing. Fine. Right? That's religion. That's not gospel. There's only one thing that God is pleading with us to give up. There's only one thing that God is urging us to give up. There's only one thing that God finds as a pleasing aroma, and that is to give up our rights to our whole self. The list of things, that's going to be different for each person. But it's not about the list. You see, God in His great mercy gave His one and only Son so I could be saved. I've told you before, I've got one and only son. I don't know if I could give him for anybody. But scripture says, God so loved the world that he gave his one only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. And if we put that here with Romans 12, 1, therefore, offer yourself back to him as a living sacrifice, a pleasing aroma, a continual offering. It's all inclusive. There are no limits. How dare I set limits on what God can do with me? It's not a negotiation. Okay, I'll give you this, God, but you better give me this. He already gave me everything. There's a great example of this is, is, the, uh, is the Old Testament story of Abraham. Do you remember this story? For those of you who don't, I'll go through it real quick. Abraham was a very old man. He was, he's like the father of our faith, okay? The human father, that is. 
He was called out of a land. God spoke to him. I don't know how. Was it in a vision? Was it a dream? Was it an audible voice? It just says that God called him. And this is what he promised. He said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you into a great nation. And all the nations are going to be blessed through you. That's what he promised to Abraham. And so Abraham obeyed him. He didn't know what that looked like, but if he's going to be blessed by God and, and, all the, and he's going to you know, make him into a great nation, that means he's going to have a kid. And Abraham didn't have a kid. He and his wife Sarah had no children and they were advanced in years. And so God is promising them a son, a land, a son, and a legacy. That's what he's promised. And this goes on for decades and Abraham just put one foot in front of the other and he's obeying God. And he's walking deeper and deeper and deeper in faith, but there's still no child and God keeps re-upping the promise don't worry I know you're almost a hundred years old I'm God right and the scripture says that finally Abraham was given a son that thing that he had prayed for and hoped for and walking by faith that he would be given what God had promised he was given a son I don't know how old that son was that son's maybe 10 11, 12 years old, and God does something that many critics have said that, that, that is just the most horrible thing you could ever imagine. Do you remember what God said to him? When his son Isaac is about 12 years old, he says, Abraham, give me Isaac on the altar. What? Not a ram? Not a four footed animal? My son, I've heard people say, you know, what kind of God asks for a human sacrifice? Abraham obeys, packs up the animal, puts wood on top of it because he's going to a place above the tree line. And he takes his one and only son. And he goes to the top of that mountain. And just like in the video, he prepares the fire. What's God doing? How can this be? This is the list. And the scripture says that he ties his son's hands and feet. Son's confused. Dad's where the sacrifice. Son, you're the sacrifice. And he lays him down on the altar. And the scripture says that that Man of faith, raise the knife. And at the last moment, God says, stop. Don't do this. Now I know your heart. There was a ram caught in the bushes. And Abraham untied his son and together, father and son, they went and got the gift provided by God to give back to God. They sacrificed that instead. I've often wondered what kind of trip back down the mountain that was, right? Old Isaac's like, Dad, you were really going for it there, weren't you, buddy? I guess so. God believed you, right? And we could say, what a weird story. God wasn't after Isaac. He wasn't after his pound of flesh. It wasn't, Abraham, what are you going to give up for me? He wanted all of Abraham. He wanted Abraham's whole self. He wanted Abraham as a living sacrifice 
to give up his rights to himself on an altar. A pleasing aroma continually poured out, continually offered. All-inclusive. Friends, he wants the same thing from us. You don't have to. I love how Paul says, I urge you. In this translation, I plead with you. God already loves you. He already died for you. Probably most of the people in this room, you're saved. By the way, if you're not, all you have to do is ask Christ into your life and just, God, forgive me my sin, come into my life, and you become a child of God, and God's spirit takes up residence in you. It's a really good deal. But for most of us in this room, we know this deal. We call ourselves Christians, but I don't believe that necessarily that means that all of us have made this decision to be a living sacrifice, to say, you know what? Every area of my life, my work life, my play life, my married life, my divorced life, my single life, my school life, my friend's life, my Facebook life, my sex life, my money life, all of it I offer to you as a pleasing aroma, surrendered, focused, in submission, it's yours. It's not a negotiation. We're invited to put our whole self on the altar. So I wonder this morning if God's maybe inviting some of us to make that commitment. In fact, would you bow your heads with me? Nobody looking around just for a moment. I, I, I imagine that there's somebody still a little bit sad that we haven't sung any songs. I hate to break it to you. We're not going to today. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to say that that's your favorite part. But if you're really sad or maybe even a little bit upset, I want to ask this question. Does that mean worship is about you? Or is worship about God? Because if worship's about you and what you get out of it, that's about you. And that's a stench. What's God calling you to do today? Is he calling you maybe to take the next step in your spiritual journey? I know many of you probably did this years ago, but some of us, maybe we forgot about that commitment. Maybe some of us, we've been a Christian for a while, but we're not a living sacrifice. What would it look like in your life if you were to say this morning, Mother's Day, 2017, a weird service where we cooked a steak and there was no music. I decided to offer myself on the altar all-inclusive, from here on, continual. My desire, my aim, my goal is that every compartment of my life is gonna be in one place, offered up as a pleasing aroma, no matter what. What if you were to do that today? I'm gonna invite you to do that. If that's the desire of your heart, right where you're sitting, just talk to God, silently whisper, God, here I am, living sacrifice. If you've already done it, just pray with me that more people would experience this life, the joy that comes from faith and saying, God, all of this is for you, my best for your glory. 
Whatever I do, I do it all for the glory of God. Working, playing, eating, drinking, sleeping, relationships, you name it. How can I honor God? A pleasing aroma. I know we don't do this often at our church, but this morning it seemed appropriate to give you an opportunity to do something real practical and tactile. If that's you, if you've made that decision, or you want to make that decision this morning, in a moment, not yet, I'm going to invite you to stand. And I don't want you to worry about anybody looking around. It's none of their business. Why would it be their business? You don't worship them. We worship God. But if that's you and today's the day, you're going to commit. I want to be a living sacrifice. Or I'm going to recommit because I forgot about that a long time ago, what that means to live as a pleasing aroma to my God who gave everything for me. I give up the rights to myself back. If you want to do that right now between you and Jesus, I invite you to stand. One, two, three, go. Don't do it if you've already done it. It's okay. All of me. God's power is released in our faithfulness. God's power is released when we're obedient. God, my life, a pleasing aroma. Five more seconds. Who else? Four, three, two, one. Good. Just stay standing for a minute. I want to pray for you. Lord Jesus, I pray by the power of your name and through the power of your Holy Spirit that you would receive this right now as a pleasing aroma. You can see them even if no one else can. These men and women, students say, take me, take my life, all inclusive, no matter what it costs. God, help them to be imitators of your son who offered himself a sacrifice, a pleasing aroma. Every compartment, whatever that looks like. God, would you guide them through your spirit? Would you encourage them with your love and your power that you promised to us? Would you give them a sense of your presence, which you said you would always be with us to the very ends of the earth? God, would you help us as a church, those who are sitting that have already made that commitment, would you further and strengthen and empower them? And for those that are a little bit too scared yet, God, I pray that you would hound them, that you would haunt them until every bit is laid down, just like Abraham with Isaac. And God, may we be men and women, students, children, that are a pleasing aroma to you. And it's in Jesus' strong name that we pray. If you agree, say amen. Would the rest of you uh, stand with us as well? I want to thank you so much for being here. I know that it was different. And yes, I know we didn't sing. Uh, I have it on good authority that if you come back the other 51 weeks, there's really great music, all right? Uh, But if you all fill my inbox with your complaints, we won't sing for a year. No, I'm just, I just, I'm just kidding. I just want to say that one time. Love you. God bless you. Uh, happy Mother's Day. And uh, the, the, the oldest mom can have the steak. So, cool. Go in peace.